It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Welcome, and we're back together. Good to have the A-team back on. Yes. Listen, it's great to have everybody in here, right? It's great to have the folks that will step in when we need to step away. But Kirk Morrison, Jason Jackson, back together on the program. A little bit later, we'll get you updated on Brittany Griner's situation. Uh, remains in detainment in Russia. Penned a letter to the president on Independence Day. And uh, we're under the assumption president will be responding soon. We'll get inside uh, that story in a little bit. A little bit later in the program, uh, we'll get inside also a show called Johnson. It's on Bounce Network, second season coming up. Uh, former NFL running back, Thomas Q. Jones, by the way, mm. all right? Uh, stars in this series, he'll be joining us, uh, as well as the uh, creator of the program moving into its second season this week on Bounce TV. But we want to start off with some history. We got some amazing news from out there in your neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In that, in, in that bay. That Come bay. on, man. How that about bay area? <laughs> the San Jose Sharks yeah. uh, making history. And, and we love it. Uh, and matter of fact, we should say Mike Greer yes. made the history. Made uh, the the history. team just they just recognized. Uh, it takes two to tango in these places. So congratulations to Mike Greer uh, as the NHL's first black general manager. Uh, this was announced uh, Tuesday of this week by the San Jose Sharks. This is, think about that, man. Yeah. Think about how old that league is, right? Three digits to explain how long hockey's been around. And uh, this now longstanding barrier within the National Hockey, Hockey League uh, is, is, it's gone. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's magnificent. And you can feel the joy radiating, obviously, from Mike and his family, but also the joy from, the, the Sharks organization to be able to, to smash this glass ceiling that's been in place way too long. Yeah. I, I think uh, you, you hit it, you know, right on talking about the San Jose Sharks organization. Um, you know I me, mean? I grew up in the Bay area. I grew up mm-hmm. a, actually a, a Sharks fan. I know it's crazy. Um, but, you know, going down to, I've been to a couple games at the shark tank at the pavilion <laughs> and obviously it's a, uh, it's a sport that's predominantly white or mm-hmm. also uh, European. You know, and so to see this announcement for Mike Greer uh, as the general manager, the first thing I, I did see was, OK, wh- what's sort of the, uh, the the initial reaction? And I love what the uh, the uh, the president of the uh, San Jose Sharks, Jonathan uh, Betcher, what he came out and said was we hired the best GM that was available. Yeah. We hired the best GM. Oh, just so happens that he's black, but that wasn't what our focus was our focus was hiring the best general manager we don't look at the color of his skin we look at the job that he can come in and do and i think mike has put in his time he's put in his dues and on, to, he, he, he put a long time it's not like it's just you know just showed up but i think it's 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 finally someone looking and said you know what 
this is the best person for the job. We hired the best candidate and we look like moving forward. I think this can open up more doors for people that look like Mike Greer, look like me and you, Jax, to, to be a part of a sport that has been, you know, one that hasn't really... I should say been as kind sometimes Mm -hmm. to African-American players, but now to see someone in the front office, that that's a different step. That that's almost, I would say a bigger step because we're not talking about athletic ability. We're talking about mind. We're talking about knowledge. We're talking about talent evaluating. We're talking about um, the, the flow of a game, the way that you bring in player. We're talking about chemistry. This is a totally different aspect of hockey now that I think people don't even talk about. Yes, you could be fast. You can skate up and down the ice and you can do all the shots and and be a defenseman, a goalie, whatever it may be. But now to be able to evaluate talent, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter, you know, white or black. It just matters about a guy who was put in the time, put in the work. And I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for Mike Greer. I really am. So let's lay down those bona fides you alluded to after playing, by the way, for 14 years in the National <laughs> Hockey League yeah, um, for four different teams, including the Sharks. Uh, this man first scouted for four years, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about the highways and the byways, right? We're talking about Marriott's, not, yeah. not, not Conrad <laughs> and Four Seasons. We're talking yeah. about sitting up in the rafters, not, mm-hmm. not down by the bench, uh, sending reports back to the Blackhawks uh, from – 2014 to 2018, a stretch in which they were pretty okay, right? Yeah. All right. And then most recently, uh, the working in hockey operations with the Rangers last season during their resurgence. So um, the, this is the Sharks uh, striking when the iron is hot on one of the hot candidates uh, <laughs> moving around. And, and, and way to do it, by the way. What a great thing and in the heat of this way and i know you you've shared and and we all know the raiders are are infamous for this as well man yeah. go with the names you know yeah <laughs> the people who understand your way right. your organization and that's not to say that the the heat and the raiders are, are do it right every single time right mm-hmm. but it, it's clear that when you turn uh and have an opportunity right to turn to your guys when they've done the work or they're doing the work developing themselves as coaches or administrators um, or executives within your own organization that uh, you're doing, there's something extra, right? In, in the marketing, both to your fan base and also to players around the league about what it means to be a part of your organization when this is what you, you end up doing. You're not just talking it, you're walking it. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because we've, we've been a part of some organizations that, hire the, the the best person available for the job, mm-hmm. but also hire people who understand the culture, right? People don't say like, oh, I, I get this question all the time. What is culture? What is culture? Hmm. Well, culture to me, the first thing that I think of is standard. That's mm-hmm. what culture is. There's a standard that has been set by the it's people the before we do you. Things, right? it's just, this, is, this is how we do things. Right. We're in early. We're out late. Okay. We, if we got to stay late, we got to stay late. If we got to make some tough decisions, we're going to make some tough decisions. But we're not going to sacrifice who we are to make those decisions. And that's what culture is. And so I think Mike brings in that culture for San Jose just as much as I think that you bring in the culture of many different organizations 
that that have had similar type situations where you hire someone that you trust. And this is a trust by the San Jose Sharks. They are trusting in Mike Greer to bring us back, bring us to a situation or a, a position of prominence in the National Hockey League. But I think the bigger story is that, you know, some people always say, well, he's a first-time general manager. But you look at the pedigree. You look at the history of his family. Mm-hmm. These The Greers, they know about high-level executive roles in sports. Um, one down in Miami in your neck of the woods, his brother, Chris Greer. This is the family business, right? <laughs> this is the family business. You talk about Chris Greer, his older brother, who was the general manager of the Miami Dolphins currently since 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, their father also, Bobby, who's the longtime NFL coach and executive. So we're talking about a family who understands structure and culture and relationships. Like that's, you know, sometimes it's, it, you, I, I guess it's, you you learn it along the way, but sometimes it's just that's what you grow up with. And you can tell this family has grown up in those types of roles and those leadership types of roles and roles. And I think that's why, you know, I'm not surprised that I'm surprised by the hire because we haven't seen it. But I'm not going to be surprised when I think Mike does the job that a lot of people expect him to do. Well, now here's what I hope that Mike gets that Chris has had. And that's patience. Yeah. Right. There, there's the old saying, like general managers get somewhere between <laughs> what? Two to four coaches. Right. Yeah. 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 And it, it, I don't know about hockey football. You get two. That's it. <laughs> but, hey, I don't know about hockey. Deal. Hockey, you maybe get right, two right. or three, maybe that five. Basketball, you might you get, get a, a couple more. You might get a couple <laughs> yeah. more. In a hoop. Uh, but it, this is very similar right. uh, to the Dolphin situation when, uh, when Chris stepped in. Um, this is a run that's been challenging for uh, San Jose. And they're, they're, I think it's been yeah three-year playoff drought, the right. longest in franchise history. And it's time to time to turn that corner. I hope he gets the time to do it because, you know, already the anxiety has built up. Right. And, and now he's this beacon on the hill to get it all turned around. Yeah. But I think also, too, you know, having um, – you know, a former player who's been in it. Um, he's definitely going to bring uh, that aspect of to the executive role of what he did as a player. You know, when you spend 10 plus years in any profession, you learn a thing or two. And he spent 14. And then you mentioned he, the grind of getting to where he is now. And he's been a part of some of those organizations that have won Stanley Cups, that have been to the playoffs consistently. Again, it comes back to a standard that was set, and I'm looking forward to, you know, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, do I watch much regular season hockey? Jax, hell no. Okay? <laughs> Just be real. You have a lot, lot of my hockey folk. You hey, got a lot going on. All my hockey folk, I'm not t- I'm not bashing y'all, but I'm just no. saying, a lot of my plate, I can't the get a chance to watch. long during the fall. <laughs> but I, there will be a increased focus sure. on watching and seeing how the Sharks do, right? Innately, right. Yeah, obviously. I mean, you know, hockey is starting to pick up now, obviously, with, you know, some of the new television rights. So we're starting to see it more. It's now more exposure to the game that it was in the past five and six years. So that does help. And you get the Seattle Kraken now going. You know, their organization is starting to take off. You know, the 
Las Vegas team. Yes, the Golden Knights. So there's been, you know, for me on the West Coast, there's been this excitement, right? This excitement. Now the Colorado Avalanche, shout out, shout out to them for winning the, the Stanley Cup. But I'm going to keep my eye on how San Jose is doing just to see because this is this is big this is history man and i i wish him all the best because i want to see more people have the opportunity like mike uh to get that same role within hockey and with other organizations and sports as well by the way it's, it's get to work time for mr greer <laughs> yeah i mean right into the nhl entry draft yep uh, that's coming up this week uh as we tape this on wednesday i believe thursday and oh, by the way, he has to hire a head coach. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's you, first week, baby. You got a lot, man. Well, he's played for some guys, though. Yeah. He's probably got a nice little uh he's got a he got a new little group of guys he can kind of pick from. Looking forward to uh what's in store for him, their organization, and his success. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, as I told you, there is a show uh that caught our attention here on forward progress uh you know we're always looking for the angle that intertwines a a a show called johnson it's on bounce network it's headed to its second season this week um a a great interwoven cultural aspect to the show uh but former nfl running back a member of the ten thousand yard rushing club someone who kirk morrison had to strap it up on against and get into the dirt and create some havoc. Uh, Thomas Q. Jones, one of the co-leads. He also co-produces the show. Uh, the series creator, uh, Deji LeRae, also with us on the program. When we come back here on Forward Progress. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. We roll along here on Forward Progress. It's our great pleasure to welcome to the program Thomas Jones, as well as uh, DeJay LeRae, both with us from Johnson, the TV series on Bounce TV, about to hit their second season. And uh, we, we love to have folks on so they can tell their story rather than us go through every single note. So, gentlemen, first, either one, the uh, floor is yours. Give us a feeling of how you, first of all, came together uh, for this project and a little background on, this, on the story for those that maybe missed the first season. Man, you know, uh, thank y'all for having us, man. We're excited to be here. Uh, man, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool story about how, how Thomas and I connected, man. I, I had already known, obviously, about Thomas through football. And then, you know, I'm, I'm a student of the game of entertainment and acting. And so I, I already knew that he had already made the transition into acting a few years prior. You know, I've seen him on some notable projects, you know, and I'm, I'm always keeping my ears glued to the streets. So, um you know, a, a friend of mine, we had a mutual friend in, 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 in common and I was putting this project together, Johnson. And, you know, in, in Hollywood, sometimes you got to take your, 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 your destiny into your own hands, if you will. And so I made the decision in my mind that I was going to shoot a pilot. I was going to shoot a pilot and shop the pilot around. Um, oftentimes in this business, you got to have something to show in addition to your script. You know, a lot of people in this business, you know, if, if, you, if you're not a recognizable creator, producer in a lot of ways, then it's a lot more difficult to get somebody to read your material. So the more you can have, the better. So if I, if I can put together 
you know, a, 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 a pilot, an independent pilot, then that'll help the cause, you know, and, right. and they'll, they'll understand what this show is going to be about. So uh, I was looking at actors. Who do I want to hire? Who do I want to work with? You know, and, and Thomas's name came up. I was like, yeah, I know exactly who he is, man. He would be dope for this character on the show uh, named Omar. And so our mutual friend connected us. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that I was going to talk to Thomas you know, he'd be like, okay, cool, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? I'll meet him one time. We'll do the project. And then in this business, you never know what's going to happen. We could have done the pilot. I could have shopped it around and they could have recasted everybody. You know, and me and Thomas would have never spoke again. But the first meeting that we had, man, you know, we just clicked, you know, because for me, you know, it's more than just entertainment. You know, we have, you know, we have a mission and what we're trying to do, you know, our content is always, you know, uh, ha having some sort of messaging, thought provoking, things like that. So when we had our first meeting, man, he said, I don't want to just be an actor on this project. I see what you're trying to do. I want to be a, I want to be a, a, an executive producer. I want to produce this thing with you. I want to be a partner on this project. And for me, it was weird hearing that because, you know, it takes a lot of work. It takes yeah. a lot of commitment and it takes a lot of money too. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, well, if you're serious, man, this is what it's going to take. This is how much it's going to cost to shoot this pilot. You want to pay half of it? He wrote me a check. You know what I'm saying? And um, we went into business together, man. And we haven't, we haven't looked back since, you know, he, he matches my energy. He matches my work ethic. He matches my drive, you know, which is very difficult to find. And so for any creators, anybody who's creating something, if you find somebody who, Kind of matches your energy and your work ethic, man. You gotta, you gotta definitely, uh, you know, you gotta definitely go in head first. So, me and Tom has been rocking ever since. We formed a, a production company called Midnight Train Productions, and um, and Johnson is just the first uh, project that we have on our slate. We have a lot of other things coming through the pipeline. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean everything that she said is is one hundred percent accurate. It, it was a life changing opportunity to to be a, a producer on this show. Um, and to be able to work with Deji. I mean, he's one of the best writers in Hollywood, one of the best editors in Hollywood, one of the best actors in Hollywood. So, you know, when you're able to work with someone that is just as passionate as you, you know, obviously, Kirk, you know, you come from the NFL, you know, to, to play as long as we play, you know, you have to have work ethic and dedication and mental toughness, you know what I'm saying? And, and a lot of people can't match that, you know, the level that we go. You know what I'm saying? You know, they just can't. It's just impossible because, you know, they, they, they don't have the opportunity to, you know, play in the NFL sometimes. Like, physically, you're not able to even push yourself to that limit. But Deji matches that. You know what I'm saying? And, and it was just a natural progression. And like you said, you know, we haven't looked back. You know, we're, what, five years in now, you know, with, with, with multiple projects in development, multiple projects being shopped. Uh, so it's been an incredible experience. Been great. Well, let, let, me, let me also say, too, man, because... You know, Thomas is being very modest and, and humble right now. You know, um, you know, he, yeah. he, you know, obviously he has a sports background and, you know, there's a certain perception that you have with somebody coming from sports who's jumping into entertainment is like, you know, how, how committed are they going to be? Can they really do it? Um, you know, I'm, I, I write, you know, I direct, I do a lot of different things. I edit as well. And, um, <clears throat> you know, Thomas does all those things as well. You know what I'm saying? He may not be the one putting the pen to pad, but he understands story. You know, he understands dialogue. He understands right. giving the characters a specific voice. He understands editing. You know, we shot the pilot and we, me and him were the ones to sit into the edit in, in the edit bay and we cut the whole thing. 
ourselves. I was on the keys and he was right behind me every single edit, you know, why he feels like this is a good choice, why I feel like this is a good choice. We'll sit there and go back and forth for an hour on one edit sometimes, you know what I mean? Because right. um, we're just both, both very passionate about it. So it's just a good fit, you know, and, and he definitely understands the industry and what and what it entails. You know, I think the one thing I want to ask both you guys is um, in that world, the entertainment world, you know, movies, television, obviously being African-American men, sometimes you you seem to be stereotyped into one certain role or this is what we see you as. How do you guys try to fight back from that fight back from the, the typical stereotypical roles that a lot of African-American males are sometimes forced to have to be in? and try to push back and sort of evolve from those types of roles? Um, I mean, that's, you know, that's a big, it's a great question. And that's the point actually of our, of our series, uh, you know, being a black man um, is a very unique experience, you know, globally, <laughs> but, but globally, but definitely in, in America. And there are a lot of ne- negative stereotypes that are, that are placed on us and, mostly by people who don't even know black men you know, or, or have minimal black men that they associate with. Um, and so, you know, and, and it makes life a little bit harder, you know, it makes it, it creates more obstacles for us on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so being able to portray black men in the way that ways that we know us um, is very important. Um, representation is important, not just for the world to see how we really are, but also for, younger black men to see how they should be you know so it's it's a it's a complex conversation and it's a complex situation and it's up to black men to you know um, take control of our own narratives and you know speak truth into how we want to be seen and how we really are you know obviously you watch uh certain shows and you might hear certain songs and you know it feels as though you know we're promoting a certain type of lifestyle but Every culture promotes some sort of lifestyle that doesn't, you know, equate to everybody in that culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But for some reason, as black men, we all get stuck with that one dimensional tag. And that's just not realistic. So, um, you know, I'll let Deji get into Johnson. And this question literally leads into, you know, he's the creator of the show and why he created it. But that, that's a great question. And that's that's the the answer that we're trying to give with this show. Yeah, I think I think Thomas hit the nail on the head, man. He said, you know, changing your own narrative um, and he used the word one dimensional. I think the way we've been portrayed historically in the media is is one dimensional. You know what I mean? Is is we're, we're all a certain way. You know, there's there's not a, a huge complexity to us. And I think the image of the black man in the media. We're still fighting against that. You know, things are changing. But you you mentioned you know, being stereotyped into a particular role. And I know that that's an issue. I see it every day on TV, but I think that, you know, uh, Thomas and I have kind of looked past just that and looked at it on a, on a larger scale of, of, of not just being an actor and being stereotyped into a role, but also now writers and producers and the type of content that we want to create. You know what I mean? So we have the power to change that. We got the power to take control of our own narrative. We got the power to write characters um, that are relatable, characters that, you know, reflect who we are, our experiences, uh, you know, people who look like you, Kirk, Jason. Um, and, it, and, that, and that's very important. So 
we can't we can't sit here and continue, in my opinion, to complain about it if you're not doing anything about it. If 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 you're just an actor, which is incredible, by the way, and and, and you're complaining about being typecast or a particular role or the way that you're being viewed, then you have a responsibility to do something about that. You know what I'm saying? You know, you have, even if you don't write, link up with somebody who does write, you know what I'm saying? Link up with somebody who does produce, link up with somebody who does direct and, and get uh, projects off the ground that, you know, represent you how you want to, how you want to be seen. I think we live in a world now where we all have, you know, more control and more power to, to, to do those things. So we got to take that responsibility. Right. The name of the show is Johnson. Uh, season two premieres this very week on Bounce. We have former NFL running back and uh, co-lead, co-producer, Chet Cutter, <laughs> all in the mix. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Q. Jones with us with uh, the series creator as well, Deji Lorraine. And gentlemen, I think, you know, the wonderful thing about Forward Progress is we're kind of this confluence of race and sports. So your show is perfect in the sense of, Thomas's connection to the story that you're telling on the show, but this the, the storyline of Johnson, I think, relates to everybody in the sense of having friendships. Now, I don't know how many friendships where everybody has a last name, but I love that <laughs> the Johnson connection. Right. Uh, but I, I'm going through the process of turning 50, having long-term relationships. People live all over the country. We're not all. I grew up in Ohio. We're not all at home in Cincinnati. And the tapestry of our lives are so different. Time and right. distance is the enemy of any relationship. Mm. Uh, how are you guys weaving those stories here in, in season two, as I assume this group is trying to maintain their connection? Yeah, I mean, you listen, man, people grow apart, you know, and I think that's one of the log lines of season one is, you know, you know, these guys have, have grown to places in their lives and they had a bond that they used to think was unbreakable, but life has gotten in the way, you know, and, and it's really about the decisions you make It's really about who these people uh, used to be and who they become. And that's the journey that we follow them on, you know, on this show, we, we show four black men who, you know, from the outside looking in might look very similar, you know, obviously we have the same shared experiences in America, hence the name Johnson. You know, it's symbolic because we all have the same last name. So it's symbolic for us having the same experience as black men. But when you dive deeper and you pull back those layers, you understand that we think differently. We look at a lot of different issues differently, whether it's, you know, politics, whether it's religion, you know, whether it's how how we uh, feel about, you know, how, how, how committed we are to brotherhood and the decisions we make. Um, and, and so those are the things that we explore on the show. It's just really showing the nuances and, 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 and the specific relationship between these black men and how they're, how they're handling themselves out there in the world. And then you mix that with the backdrop of society and things that we go through. I think that, you know, oftentimes many of us have an extra layer of stories as to how we got to where, where we are today. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of other, you know, people in America, other races and things like that. They may, they may have stories and, and obstacles that they overcame, but it feels like, you know, for the most part, probably everybody on this call, the vast majority of us has an extra obstacle, extra few obstacles that we had to overcome to get to where we're at, whether it's financial, whether it's generate generational curses that we're trying to break, 
Um, you know, and so oftentimes we got to work, you know, a little bit harder, you know, than, than, than most people. And so we explore some of those things. For example, uh, one of our characters on season one, Jarvis Johnson, he's a, he's a realtor. Uh, he owns his own company, but when he's showing off the, uh, the, 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 the house, you know, they don't think he's the owner of the company and they're a little skeptical to purchase from him because, you know, it's a big purchase, you know, and they're a little apprehensive, you know what I mean? And so some, sometimes it's those little microaggressions, you know, that, that take place when we're just trying to get a leg up, man. So. You know, one of the things I, I Thomas, this is specifically for you. Uh, I remember playing in the NFL and I was always taught that you're going to spend more years out of the NFL than you will in the NFL. And I always took took heart to that because I remember that. And so I start to set myself up for what I wanted to do post NFL career. As for you, you've now fully transitioned into acting, being an actor. And so I can call you a veteran actor now. So when you (laughs) approach a certain role, how do you attack that? How do you attack the certain role and sort of evolve into what the role is asking of you and sort of go through the seasons of, how does this character continue to evolve and how it also pertains to you in your own life? Well, that's a good, great question. Um, I make the character me and through, you know, years of training and, and being in some really incredible actor studios and, um, you know, learning some really, really uh, intimate techniques. Um, I've been able to do that. You know, I've been able to use, where in football, you, you you can't show weakness or vulnerability or even humanity right. sometimes, you know, you, you, you get beat that way. Um, and it's just not in the the air. It's not in the environment, whether you're in the locker room, whether you're on the field. It's a very harsh, brutally honest, critical job to have on a day-to-day basis, whether you're getting it from the coaches, whether you're getting it from your own teammates, whether you're getting it from the fans. Right. Uh, you, you're going to be made accountable and you're going to be told how bad you are first before you told how good you are, you know, and you're going to get told how bad you are more often depending on how you play. Um, and so, you know, you become closed off and, and very unemotional because you have to, it's a, it's a defense mechanism to be able to continue to play and go out there. And even if you have a bad game and you're getting bad press, you have to be able to come back the next game and have a good game. So you have to keep your mind in a specific place. And sometimes that, that, that doesn't just go away when you walk out of the stadium stays with right. him. And I was that type of player. You know, I played the same way I played on the field as how I was off the field. You know, I was like that 24-7 because I needed to be that way to be productive. Whereas an actor, I've been trained to use all of those vulnerabilities and weaknesses and, and put those into your characters to make the character human because that's how people are going to relate to your character. They're going to relate to the humanity in the character. They're going to remain relate to the hurt, um, the trauma. Um, how do you overcome those conflicts? Um, so I've been able to mix in the passion I had for football, but also understanding that the trauma and, and the things that I've dealt with in my life and the things that I deal with in my life are ammunition as an actor versus a weakness that could get me beat. So I've, I've been able to, to, to learn how to use all of those tools in, in my toolbox as an actor. And whenever I, I take on a role, I embody that character and I put all of that real life experience into, into the character. That's Thomas Jones, former NFL running back, first round pick played uh, with the bears, the jets, the chiefs drafted by the Cardinals as well over 12 seasons in the national football league, his partner and uh, 
connector and creator of Johnson, which is premiering this week on Bounce, is uh, uh, Deji Lorraine. And gentlemen, before we let you get out of here, just give us a taste. Looking forward to season two. Uh, <laughs> as we tape this, I think we're about four days away from the official debut on the 10th of July. Yeah. Um, just give us a little nibble that we could that, that get us right there to, to season two, episode one. I think uh, in season two, episode one, you're going to be left waiting and wanting to see episode two. It's going to give you some great laughs. Uh, it's going to give you some great drama. I think it's going to put you on the edge of your seat. I think it's going to be refreshing to see, you know, how much the characters have grown since last season. Um, by the way, you can catch up on season one right now on the Brown Sugar app. Go to the app store, download Brown Sugar and watch season one. You know, a lot of the compliments that we get, you know, on, on social media is that, hey, man, I, I, I saw season one. I watched that whole thing in like four or five hours. Like they just binge the entire season and don't and don't and don't stop. So you can watch it pretty quickly. Catch up on season one. <clears throat> I also think there's a marathon happening on Bounce on uh, on Sunday. Uh, check your local listing so you can uh, watch season one as well before it airs. But it's going to be fun, man. The stakes are higher. You know, we have some incredible guest stars, you know, this season. You know, Cedric the Entertainer is going to uh, make an appearance uh, this season. Dio Hughley is back uh, playing uh, Eugene Johnson, which is Omar Johnson's uncle. That's the role that Thomas Q. Jones plays. Um, we have Terry J. Vaughn on from this season. Incredible, beautiful veteran actress who we all know and, and love. Um, King Harris, T.I.'s son, makes an appearance. So it's going to be a great season, man. You don't want to miss the season, I promise you. We have to have you all back just to tell Cedric and DL stories. I'm sure there's some days <laughs> where they have to be full, full gut laughter. Uh, the hey, I just, sure. just want to say for all the sports fans that watch this show, Kirk, I played against Kirk for years. Yeah. I always want to tell you this, man. You are a beast, bro. You are, you are one of the most <laughs> annoying, it. one of the most annoying <laughs> linebackers that I played against in my life. Every time I see you on a scout report when we play in Oakland, this dude goes hard. Four oh, quarters, always around the ball. I could never. I don't even know if I had a hundred. I mean, I think I might have had a hundred yards against you maybe one time. Yeah. But just so y'all know, all the sports fans out there, just know this guy right here was one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Just wanted to make sure you knew that, and they knew that. <laughs> hey man, I appreciate that, Thomas. Yeah. I really do because going up against this dude, man, you got to understand. You know, you had to bring your A game. Because Thomas Jones is coming downhill, and if you' not ready, he is running through your chin strap. So I always have my chin strap <laughs> locked up. And it's always funny now when I do see the name. I said, "This is when you know somebody's made it, right?" You get Samuel L. Jackson, you get Michael B. Jordan, and I'm like Thomas Q. Jones. See, I knew Thomas Jones. This Thomas Q. Jones. See, I got to get his autograph. That's Make totally no mistake different. About it. <laughs> Listen, I love man, all this we, 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 I'll see you, man. We'll, we'll, I'll sign Thomas Q. Jones, and you can sign me a Kirk Morrison jersey. There it is. There it is, man. I love it. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, continued success. Please come back anytime. We thank you for the time. Thank, thank you so you. much, Thanks man. for having us. No doubt. Appreciate Once again, Johnson premiering second season this week on Bounce Network. Uh, we're going to bounce a break. When we come back, uh, we will get you up to date on everything going on with Bickney Griner, who penned a letter uh, to the president about her detainment in Russia, uh, critically, on Independence Day. We'll dive inside the dynamics and the extended 
part of that story from the White House as forward progress continues. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. On Independence Day, July 4th this week, a letter was penned uh, by WNBA star Brittany Griner as she continues to sit in jail in Russia, Kirk. The letter was to President Joe Biden, and it was clear, it was sustained, and as we talked about, I think the last time uh, we covered her story, there was a misnomer, um, uh, a miscommunication, disconnection on the part of the United States State Department, by the way, uh, trying to get uh, Brittany and her wife together for a phone call and connection. Right. Um, and that was, you know, let's be honest, that was a mess. That that was not handled well. And I'm hopeful that that actually got resolved. But uh, Brittany remains in detention. And the word that we're getting is that 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 letter, Kurt, uh, was received and uh, touched President Biden and uh, is in the process of trying to touch base with her uh, as we speak. You know, it's it's almost to a point what took so long, you know, in terms of why did it take a letter um, and a letter that was, um, you know, written by Brittany to the president of our United States saying, hey, uh, don't forget about me. <laughs> I've been here waiting. And the thing that really also stuck out to me is that she said, I'm not alone. There's others. Other detainees, right? There's other detainees. Yeah. It, it's the, the focus has been on, on, on Brittany because she's the most high profile. Right. But you don't want to just think about the high profile. There's other folks as well who don't have the same name notoriety or maybe the same resources or the same reach as Brittany who are in a similar situation that don't have that, uh, the same people fighting for them. And so, that was what really what stuck out to me the most about this, this letter um, and saying that, look, you know, I'm, I'm asking our country to help me get me home, get me out of this. And that, that to me, it takes a lot. And now it feels like this situation, this story that has been going on since February, <laughs> but we in July, <laughs> we in July, Jax, this has been what? since February. She's been detained. And finally, I feel like the the you know the president, the government is now giving the attention that this needed from way back in February. Like it shouldn't have had to come to this letter. This should have been probably something that should have been taking place right when it happened. Say, you know, we can't allow this. But obviously, I'm not into the whole political realm of the back and forth. But this has been. You know, one that's been just, it's hard to wrap your, your your brain around when you feel like you got trust in what we do as a country. And yet to have her still there, that's just, I can't, I can't wrap my brain around that. The thing that we have to hold closest to the fire is the fact that Russia, led yeah. by Putin, is using this as a wedge in their very fractured relationship. Yeah. With the United States, and that's Ukraine. Even aside, it would already be a mess. You add in the United States' stance on that invasion, and 
Uh, this has been, along with other detainees, a a a sticking point. And that that doesn't even those words don't even articulate. Obviously, the agony of Brittany, who is detained, uh, her wife Sherelle, who is here back in the states, uh, in anguish for her significant other. But uh, but the president is in that spot. He's under increased pressure to demonstrate some progress toward release. Um, it, it's it, Griner's facing drug smuggling charges. She was yeah. detained in Russia, as uh, Kirk noted, back in February after authorities said she was in possession of cannabis-derived uh, vape cartridges. Yeah. Really? Vape? <laughs> vape? And we're <laughs> smuggling? Like, so, it, yeah. you know, it, it lands at the president's doorstep uh, in doing what the executive branch is supposed to do. It, it, it executes some things, make them, ha- make them happen. That's the, uh, that's the point, but this is, it, it all smells right. Like it all does not come to uh, the, the bench of, of justice with, with, with balance at all. And um You've got Reverend Al Sharpton now calling on the Biden administration to help facilitate a visit from him and other religious leaders. Uh, we do know uh, that uh, Jake Sullivan, uh, who is the national security advisor, reached out to Sherelle, um, Griner's wife, uh, this past weekend for the second time in a couple of weeks, making it clear, and I'm assuming internally, letting her know this is not something that's off the burner. It's just, it's, it, it's delicate. And, and I get that part of it, right? The, it, the diplomacy of it is delicate, but I understand the frustration and I understand uh, the analogies that have been made. Yeah. Right. Brittany Griner is one of the greatest basketball players on the planet. And so it wasn't hard for uh, the Suns organization to say, all right, so let's go to one of the great basketball players on the planet from the men's side mm-hmm. and laying down the analogy. And I know LeBron's like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, you got to bring him into it. You are, because you're who you are. Right. This was LeBron and some vapes. And I mean, let's think of, let's even roll it back further. LeBron doesn't have to travel abroad to enhance his income. Correct. Number one, mm-hmm. right? And I applaud what the WNBA stands for. I love that the NBA is the steward of it. I love that the WNBA has taken steps throughout its uh, two and a half decades to put itself in position uh, to be self-sustaining from organization to organization. Actually, some ownership groups that are so aggressive that they're getting their hands slapped (laughs) uh, for putting too many... uh, um, fringe benefits out there, yeah, but too many concessions, <laughs> right? But but there is a reasonable thinking, you know, just from the grand scheme of things. This is a high profile NBA player, right? You know, are we seeing you know seals uh, telling us the story on some documentary three years from now about how they went and and, and saved uh, one of the greats? I, I don't know that that's a yeah. natural human reaction. Uh, I'm not sure that those things line up uh, the right way, but uh, there's a feeling at least within the administration that Putin and the administration are are turning the corner, uh, ready to negotiate a deal, which that in itself is so murky because what 
what kind of scoundrel do they want that they knew we would never let them have. Mm-hmm. But now Brittany becomes the dangled piece. Yeah. It's the, the dangled piece that everybody, you know, obviously in America, they know that name or not everybody, but many people. Um, I know we, I had this conversation with a, a group of my friends and we we're talking, just talking about Brittany Griner and, you know, why she's there. And look, if this was any other time uh, in years past, this would be a slap on the wrist uh, or this wouldn't even be Brother, a or maybe a look away, right? Yeah, like, or look away. Even... like, yeah, you know, just, Oh yeah, she's basketball. You know, anyway, she's just carrying her medicine. Yeah. <laughs> but we did bring up sort of what was brought up uh, of recent saying that what if it was LeBron James? And also we even took it a step further that what if the Brittany Griner were of a different skin tone, a uh, different skin color um, that we've seen the attention on certain incidents or certain situations similar to this, that had she been maybe a different skin color, what would the attention be like? Because I feel like with Brittany Griner, this sort of affects more of the African-American community than it did maybe a different community because it's, you can't necessarily vision her like I'm not as close to her like that, but maybe if it was someone else, a, a different, you know, woman over there who was, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes or something like that. And it seems mm. sometimes like it's more relatable because that is what people see and feel more comfort in. That's, that's a shame. We need to be doing more and doing more where sometimes I think that, some people have looked at Britney's situation and just looked at her as, a, oh, there's just another athlete or a black athlete. Oh, she probably was doing something. Oh, she's serving her time. And we had a discussion and we everybody took, took different sides of it. But it was one, Jax, that we really thought about, like, you know, you know, putting different people in that situation that Britney's in currently. And how would we react? How would some react? How would others react? And it also comes to the, you know, obviously the LGBTQ community that's also involved in this as well. So this has so many layers um, around it. And yet here we are still fighting for her freedom. You know what I mean? It's just like, right. at some point, how does this end? When will it end? And to read her letter and to hear her say, I'm, I'm fearful that I may never leave this place. Mm. That's what struck me as well. Well, listen, we relate to the story like so many, but we've been on it ever since, and we'll stay right here and make sure uh, that, at the very least, those who enjoy this program are in the know, and we'll have it in the airwaves uh, as there is uh, continued hope for Brittany Griner's return. Uh, We're so happy that we got uh, a chance to get back together and go through some awesome topics this week. And this remains one, even though it's not resolved, uh, one that we will stay focused on. We want to say thank you to Thomas Q. Jones, as well as uh, Deji LeRae for coming by, telling us all about Johnson premiering this week on Bounce Network. That's going to do it for us, for our producer, Pernell Brown, my man, Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. We'll see you next time on Forward Progress.